Hey, everybody. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Catella Chronicles podcast with your host, Dominic Lorenz, and co-host, David Goodkind in the house. David, how are we doing? Doing pretty good. Been a fun day of baseball. Oh, baseball. The playoffs are set, ready to roll. A couple teams have advanced into the divisional rounds as we record this here on Saturday, October the 8th. Uh, three of four series are done into the books. Here's the quick recap for you, fans. Cleveland knocks out Tampa. They will now meet the New York Yankees in the ALDS. And the Mariners shock the Toronto Blue Jays. They will meet division rival Houston Astros in the ALDS as well. And on the National League side of things, the Phillies, a major, major upset against the St. Louis Cardinals. Congratulations to former Angels, Brandon Marsh and Noah Syndergaard for making it to the NLDS. And last but not least, the Padres and Mets, well, they will live to see another day. Game three, do or die tomorrow, which would be Sunday, October 9th. So when this episode comes out, it'll be probably in the past, but you never know where you could be when that happens. So the playoffs have started. And as you could tell, the Angels are not a part of it. David, are we shocked? Um, after the hot start in, in April, a little bit, uh, after, uh, June, not at all. No, no. 14 game losing streak, six entire wins in the month of July. Um, if you take those two things out, the angels have a very good season because guess what the angels did in their final 60 games of the season. I don't know if you know this, they did what the angels do best win 30 and lose 30. <laughs> That's about right. Sounds about right to kind of recap the Angels since probably the beginning of the 2015 season after they won the division in 2014 and got swept out of the postseason from the Kansas City Royals. That was the last time the Angels made it to the playoffs. So an eight-year drought from postseason play, even with names like Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, the list goes on. It's been some rough sledding for the Angels, and this episode is going to be completely 100% about the Angels a slight recap of the season, some good moments, some bad moments, and then really it's forward thinking to 2023. What can be done with the Angels organizationally with the potential sale of the team from Artie Moreno to whoever wants to spend $2.5 billion and become the new owner of the Angels? Potential free agent moves that could happen. It's going to be a very long offseason. I think strenuous after a very tough season that saw the Angels only win 73 games. Luckily, they didn't lose 90 games. We all thought in mid-August, I think we both thought the Angels would lose 90 games. Am, am I right? I think we said that a couple of times. Yeah, I thought they were definitely on pace for like the worst record in franchise history. But they, like you mentioned, they sort of righted the ship a little bit towards the end there. But they, for a while there, they, they looked really pathetic. Absolutely. And it ended on a decent note. I will say that the Angels finished their last homestand of the year sweeping Oakland and sweeping Texas. And when you tack on that series finale victory against Minnesota, that was the week prior, the Angels had won seven consecutive games before the final series in Oakland to end the year. Within those seven games, the Angels looked very good, good pitching, good hitting. I know Texas and Oakland were worse than them, but to start all of this on a positive note, during that seven-game win streak, what was one positive you took that hopefully the Angels can carry over into 2023? They were consistent on both sides of the ball. We finally got complete performances. We saw a couple almost near no hitters, just the offense really come alive. So we saw what the team could look like when everyone was producing 
to their you know best best capabilities. So uh, it's consistency. You know how I love that word. We saw we saw consistent efforts and and really smart baseball. Unfortunately, it was a very small part of the season we saw that, but at at least we saw it. Exactly, and I think it's it's a tough thing. You know, the Angels knew they were eliminated. They could have walked into the final two and a half, three weeks of the season, just kind of let bygones be bygones, but they showed a little grit. They showed a lot of fight. Again, even though it was against Oakland and Texas, those are still games you got to win in your division. If the Angels were playoff bound, you got to win those games. Even if you're potentially the worst team in the American League West, you still got to battle and you still got to play those games. Um, So they did a good job of that. Shohei Otani was magnificent as well. Uh, just a terrific start against Oakland in his final home start of the season, carried a no hitter into the seventh inning, just magic. And I think that is one of many superlatives or adjectives that you could give Shohei Otani this season. And we'll get into Shohei Otani and Mike Trout specifically in just a little bit, but of course the angels go to Oakland to make up three games from the beginning of the season that were lost due to the lockout. And it was blow bullpen blows. It was kind of a, PTSD moment from the 14 game losing streak, I should say, where the bullpen just gave up games on a daily basis. They lose back to back extra inning games. And then the final game of the year, they lose. The only positive that came out of that was guess what? Mike Trout got home run number 40. Mike Trout missed about a good month of the season due to a back injury and and some other ailments. He still comes out with an above 280 batting average. 40 home runs and 80 plus RBIs. Imagine if Mike Trout had a full season of baseball. What could have that looked like? Could it could could it really be Judge v Trout v Otani like a three way MVP tie at that point? I have no doubt. I think Jose Ramirez would have been in that conversation as well. But he would have had like 55 home runs. The team, you know, you you, you could talk about how the starting pitching was there for pretty much the whole season, and the offense just went dead for like two months. Him, him being healthy and being a big part of the offense, you know, maybe they steal a couple more wins and and uh, get some momentum going. You never really know. It's hard to, to really put all that on one guy, even if that guy is Mike Trout, to say the season could have turned around. But uh, the team would have been better, for sure. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But, yeah, I think it's fair to say he would have been in the MVP conversation. I think you could even give him some votes. <laughs> I mean, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be a top, like, five pick I don't think I mean I think he could go top he could he could I mean it really was like a two-man race in the AL and it's not really there's no really close third or anything like that by that account yeah and the pace he was on certainly indicates that he would have finished top three in voting so I think you can make the argument as is right now that he is a top three AL MVP vote but I don't think we would have been questioning it had he been healthy absolutely 100% Mike Trout had another terrific year I don't care what anybody says You know, he literally, when the news came out about, oh, it's a career-threatening back injury, he said, y'all need to calm down. I know what I'm doing, and I'm going to go rake for the final two and a half months of the year. I'm going to put the team on my back, even though we're not playoff bound, but I'm going to show you why Mike Trout is Mike Trout. And he did that swimmingly, no pun intended to to the last name Trout, but he did it it swimmingly. It it, it was fantastic to watch. It was great, but looking at it all in general, Angels finished at least in third place in the division, which is higher than they've been in the last couple of seasons. We know it's not good. We've talked about this for months on end, as we said already, 14-game losing streak, 
winning six games in the entire month of July is not going to get you to the postseason. Manager was fired, Joe Madden, which I think we could have a longer discussion throughout the offseason about now what we're hearing in the media, Joe Madden versus Perry Manassian. Um, That relationship was extremely rocky behind the scenes than we saw in public eye. Sure Um, is public now. It is sure is public now. And as Perry Manassian said, he's trying to sell books, but it's not a good look to the organization amongst other things. You know, the Angels have not looked great (laughs) as an organization with Artie Moreno's issues, all the scandals that have happened behind closed doors that have come to the media. Now throw the Joe Madden situation on the burner. The The organization itself, not the team on the field, everything off the field, is 100%, no doubt, a hot mess. I think if you're an Angels fan, you deserve more uh, props than you get. The <laughs> fact that we stick through all this, I, I want to go a day without hearing something bad about the Angels. It's always bad for like the last five years. It's been nothing but, but really bad stuff. So uh, kudos to you guys for sticking around because a, a lesser fan base would have dipped by now. Yeah, and, this, and we saw it this year. This was the first time the Angels did not achieve 3 million fans at the Big A this year. And I think that's a testament to the on-field performance of the team and as well as all the turmoil in the organization and the way fans are beginning to feel against Artie Moreno. It's a pretty well-known secret that I've been boycotting. Well, not been. I boycotted the team (laughs) this year year, uh, after the Detmers no-hitter. Not because of anything that happened after the Detmers no-hitter. I just, after a while, I hadn't been to a game in a while. And then uh, the losing streak started happening. All the turmoil became pretty public. And I was just, I, had, I was done giving Artie Moreno my, my, my hard-earned money. Correct. Parking and beer and whatever. I was at the Detmers game. And at this time, the Angels were on fire. We looked like a playoff team. Just clicking on all cylinders. And this is, they're about to, you know, they're honoring Otani before the game. And Artie comes out. And that stadium, there was no doubt about it. It was pretty much all booze. Now, this is during a high point in the last <laughs> decade of Angels baseball. Everything's going great. We're feeling on top of the world, and we're still booing Artem Reno. So people obviously had a problem while we were winning with him, and I'm sure that they still have a problem with him now. So I think it's been a long time coming, and the sentiment is almost universal at this point. Everything gets exacerbated when a team in any sport is losing losing is the worst thing and as they always say winning cures anything and for the first month and a half of the season the angels were winning in ways that they should have won and in ways they shouldn't have won as well there was a lot of games early on in the season that the angels shouldn't have won that they were actually winning and that had been a change that we had seen over the past couple of years it was always those one run games or a pitcher couldn't get out of the fourth inning, but the Angels were starting to turn the tide. And then everything just fell apart and the wheels completely fell off. That analogy worked beautifully. It was just, you're riding high and then the the battery in your Tesla just gave and there was no getting it back after, or even in the midst of that 14 game losing streak. I, I don't think we saw light at the end of the tunnel after that. Right. So with all of the negative, that happened this season and and David and I in a few moments are going to get spicy with what is to come with the angels this off season. But before we get spicy again, we're going to try to put the positivity hats on for a minute. And as 
our friends at Halos in the infield always say, um, we're going to be halo honks for just about, you know, 60 seconds to, <laughs> to a minute and a half here. Besides some of the big glaring positives this year, like the Reed Detmers no-no and Trout's 40 home runs and sure. Shohei being Shohei, was there one element of this season, if it's a singular play, a moment, or a player, that really got you enjoying watching Angels baseball and saying, okay, I like where this is going. Yeah, um, there's, there's a couple of things. I think the starting rotation, uh, by and large, was really nice this season. I, a lot of these young guys came into their own, and I think they still have a ton of upside left to, to kind of uncover. So I really like where the Angels uh, starting pitching is for uh, the future. I think it's in a really healthy spot at the moment. And also Taylor Ward. I think he sandwiched his season really nicely. I know it got pretty ugly in the middle there, but to start and to end, he, he, he put up some really nice numbers and sort of, you know, he showed a lot of comfortability at the plate, uh, a lot of um, almost veteran presence out there. So that was really nice to see. Um, he really proved that he could be an everyday outfielder this season, in my opinion, despite the rough middle of the season, but to his credit, everyone else was pretty much lackluster during that stretch too. It wasn't just him. <laughs> It was. So I think I think he showed a, a, a lot of promise this season, proved uh, a lot of people right in a lot of ways. So uh, he was, a, I won't call it a surprise, but a nice blip on, on, on the radar of a season that I don't, it's tough to call it a forgettable season. I know people keep saying that, but they were so bad and so good in polar ways through many points of the season, setting really, doing really weird things. Like they had the cycle and then Detmers also had, like an immaculate inning. And then they also gave up seven home runs and, or hit seven home runs and lost that game. Like this, it was a very, very strange season. I think the word forgettable is not appropriate in this sense. I think this is a season we're going to remember for a while just because how odd it was. A 14 game losing streak, manager who everyone loves gets fired. It was a very strange season. On that note, yeah, it's, there's a lot of things that stand out to me, both good and bad. And I think Taylor Ward is one of those good things. The bingo card was full. This year, I don't think I needed we, like three. We, I don't think we could have dreamt, regardless if it, it went positive or negative. I don't think we could have dreamt of a bingo card this full. And it was pretty full by June 1st. That's how crazy right. it was. And by the time the end of the year came around, how would you describe this year? I would describe it as one phrase tungsten arm duel. That yeah. is the angel season to a T. There was so much good, but with the same amount of good, there was just amount of bad but I would say there was more good than bad moments but the bad had so much weight to it that it carried down the positive moments that's fair I agree with you 100% of the way Taylor Ward I like the word he was a revelation this year I think because Joe Madden believed in him coming into spring training as well as coming out of spring training and we were all a little bit shocked that he was getting the legitimate right fielder starting job over Joe Adele because Joe Adele had been really working in the off season. He had a good spring and we just thought this was going to be Joe Adele's year. And then Joe Madden cuts in and says, Nope, Ward is going to be our right fielder. And for me personally, I think Ward definitely proved he is a very good defensive right fielder as a guy who got drafted as a catcher, got shifted to third then kind of the first, then kind of the outfield, then kind of back to catcher and then back to the outfield with all the pinball he had to deal with. He put up some staggering numbers defensively, staggering numbers offensively. Just look at his splits. 
batted 392 in April, 314 in May, 256 in June. And then if you scratch off the 190 July and the 222 August, where an injury or two was kind of sandwiched in between there, he ends the year with a 370 average in September with six home runs and 16 RBIs. We'd like to see that. I would love to see that every day. And if Taylor Ward can replicate this season again, even if the numbers regress maybe by 10 or 20 points in the batting average, he had 20 plus home runs, 20 plus doubles, a very top five type RBI production season in the offense. And especially adding him into the mix with Trout and Otani and God only knows when Walsh and Rendon get healthy, that will be a nice core five when healthy. So I love Taylor Ward. If I had to pick something that I really looked forward to this year, um, I really think it was the coming out party for Luis Renjifo as well. And by no means am I dissing the pitching here because the pitching was fantastic. It's probably the best pitching staff, even with the bullpen blenders, the best pitching staff we've had in a little while for the Angels. Yeah, I agree. Props to Sandoval, props to Detmers, props to Suarez in the starting rotation as the young guys they put it on sometimes the record and some certain statistical categories don't go their way because the offense was a little inept in their starts, especially Patrick Sandoval. He ends the year with a six and nine record that does not speak to what Patrick Sandoval was this season, but truthfully, Luis Renjifo was fantastic this year. It was his coming out party and he just made the decision for the angels to figure out what they need to do at their shortstop position this off season much harder because he played so well that he cannot revert back to a bench role. He put on weight this offseason. He added power. He was defensively better than he had been in years past. So just an all-around, I think, Ward and Renjifo get gold stars for the year for their coming out party and being a revelation for the first time, truthfully, in their careers. And if I had to give another little star to somebody, um, Slim Jim, Jimmy Herget, uh, yes. was was probably – the best bullpen pitcher we had this, this season, the human glitch, the human glitch lives on. And I truly believe in contrarian to many other people. I think Jimmy Herget, even though he represents length in the angels bullpen, he can go two, three innings at a time. I still think with his movement and the glitch and the Frisbee pitch, I think he's a closer. I, I really do believe because you throw that out in the ninth inning at times, he looked very unhittable. Props to Herget, props to Renhefa, Ward, as we mentioned, and the pitching staff. Um, there were some great moments this year. So you can, at home, if you're listening, give a round of applause to those. Those were the big moments of the 2022 season that maybe went under the radar underneath, you know, Rendon's left-handed hitting homer, Detmer's no-hitter, Trout, anything Trout and Otani touched this season. But with that in mind, it is the off season and the angels have a lot of work to do. This is the time of the show where David has already told me that he wants to get spicy. So David, I'm going to give you the floor. What do you want to get spicy on first heading into this off season? I think angel fans should temper their expectations with off season acquisitions. Uh, I know Trey Turner is available and I know he would fit in beautifully with this franchise. And I think there's a 0% chance of that happening where anyone of his caliber being signed. I don't think the angels are looking at multi-year deals right now because of the sale, all because of the sale. I think the only um, long-term deal that with a lot of money that makes any sense is Otani and for the angels and Ari Moreno, that really only makes sense because he can boost up 
that $2 billion mark, you can really get close to that 2.5, maybe even above within Otani without, that probably drops a little bit lower. That's how valuable Otani is, not just based on his production in the field, but the money he brings in through marketing, through attendance and, and such. So I think this has the makings of a really quiet off season. That's why I think they also love that Renhifo kind of stood out, makes the decision at shortstop. Actually, I, in my opinion, a little bit easier. Perry Manassi a couple of days ago was talking about uh, business as usual. Uh, I don't really believe that. Um, I'm going to call BS on that. I think his job is in question when it comes to new ownership. He's not going to be safe, but he's not going to have quote unquote um, limitless checkbook. Um, <laughs> I think Artie's going to be very careful with this year. I don't I mean, unless he plans on selling at some point and he won't saddle a new owner with anything ridiculous, you're not going to see another Josh Hamilton signing, which is good, but you're also not going to see like a Tory Hunter kind of deal or Vlad Guerrero kind of deal from back in the day. Good, big free agent signings. So I, I think it's going to be pretty quiet on that front. Honestly, I think an Otani extension is on the table. I don't really see them trading him. I don't know how that really benefits Artem Moreno at this point. Uh, bringing in prospects, what does that do for him? If he really is serious on selling this team, building a franchise winner means absolutely nothing to him at this point. He's not going to be here next year to reap the benefits of that. For him, I think it's maximizing value right now and sort of standing pat, I think, does that or extending Otani. But I think it's going to get really complicated in this, this, this sale process. And in turn, I think all of our focus is going to be on the sale and not acquisitions. I think. Uh, tempering your expectations, um, not getting too wound up on who's available, um, what kind of deals they're after. I, I think they're going to end up signing free agents, but I think it's, it's going to be a ton of one-year deals. It makes sense. I don't think it's worth getting mad about. So I know I'm supposed to be spicy and saying they're not going to do anything. 2023 is kind of like a wash year, which I, I, I still believe, but I think the right move is, is to put all time and effort into finding good owners, rich owners, owners that really are ready to win yes, because exactly. at the end of the day, it would be nice to be in playoff contention in 2023, but it'd be a lot better to be world series contenders from 2025 to like 2035. Like that would be awesome. And that's what I'm more hyped about. So as, as down as I am on this off season and as down as I am on the season itself, the upcoming season, I think there's still a lot of room for optimism and I'm, I'm, I'm urging fans to kind of have, Patience to, to look beyond, yeah, patience and look well beyond the horizon because there, there's a lot of baseball to be played after the next 365 days. It's a really interesting time for the Angels. I think that's one Great. way you could look at it because they can go one way of this sale going to a new rich owner and the rich owner wants to win now and dump a lot of money into free agents. And if they win, they win great. And then if it doesn't, then burn it down and try it again. But with the whole idea of Shohei Otani being traded, you know, he signs the one-year $30 million deal to avoid arbitration this offseason. I think it's a good move for the Angels. They had, we had projected about at least 82 to 86 million of free money uh, the Angels could play with this offseason because Noah Syndergaard and Justin Upton's contracts were coming off the books. Those were the two biggest ones, especially since, Rysela Iglesias was traded to the Braves at the deadline and Atlanta took all that money. So pretty much that money that's coming off is mostly going to Otani. So 50 to about 55 million 
the Angels have to play with this offseason. But why would you trade Otani if a new owner's coming in? That would just be right. that would be Doom's spell. You're trying to build up this organization. He is a focal point, not just with Mike Trout, but you do have Anthony Rendon on contract as well for another four years. There's a lot at stake with the Angels because the Angels will never be a full-blown rebuild team. They won't be the Detroit Tigers. They will not be the Oakland A's. They are in too big of a market in a huge state of California. They have competitors to their left and to their right not only physically with the Dodgers and the Padres, but look at their division. Houston's always competitive. Seattle's now competitive. Texas is getting there. And then there's us. I'm not going to really count Oakland right now. They're far away. I think they'll figure out at some point. They have too many smart people in their front office. In the short term, Oakland's not a factor, I think, next year or the year after. But you at least still have two high-quality teams in your division. And Seattle is a young-quality team. That is on the rise, as much as we hate to say it with all the turmoil that went on between the Angels and the Mariners this year, it's facts, and that's just how it is. So the Angels are teetering a very thin line right now of balls to the walls, let's go all in, or do we coast over the next couple of years, like David said, and really focus over the next 10 years and the bigger picture? That bigger picture does kind of include Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. Trout is over 30 and Shohei's I think approaching Trout for 30. Sure. I don't think Trout's going anywhere. No. Personally. Trout, I do not think so. I, I think his wife would kill him. If, <laughs> I think his wife would kill him if she moved, you know, if she had to move with him at any point. But it's going to be a very interesting offseason. You did mention one thing. I kind of want to throw a scenario at you and see sure. kind of where we're at here. You said the Angels aren't going to give any more than one year contracts out. It's going to be a lot of one year, kind of like the old angel days, the Billy Epler era angels. Yeah, that's what I'm guessing. If the angels, for example, the shortstop position, do you think they would entertain the conversation for a short-term ideal? Renhifo gets taken out of the equation, not by trading, just pull him out of shortstop for a minute. If a certain shortstop that you were extremely high on last offseason. Carlos Correa opts out of his twins deal and wants to come to the angels. And he wants to sign a similar deal that has an opt out after the first year. Would you be willing to take on Correa a minimum of one year to try and boost the angels to have a lineup that could have Correa trout ward Rendon Otani Walsh Renhifo Fletcher, you know, kind of mix it in there. Would that be a one-year deal that you'd be willing to look at? Yeah, so I think it all depends on when the sale gets done. I'm assuming that an owner comes in either when the season's about to start, it starts, or too late to really dip their feet into the free agent market. So even if they came in like the end of December, I think it it still may even be too late while they get their ducks in a row to really get the ball rolling on, on significant free agent movements. But I think it's very interesting that you bring up that one-year deal because you still have to put a team out there, try to win. I mean, you're not, the angels aren't really in a position to tank regardless of what happens with this owner in the next, uh, you know, five to six months or whatever. So you, you go out there and you still try to win. I think any one-year deal makes sense. I think doing whatever you can makes sense. I don't think any should, anything should be off the table. I mean, look at this season. They went and they focused solely on pitching. The lineup was kind of neglected. 
it backfired. I think having a one-track mind with his franchise right now, with this owner and the lack of success that Perry had in the offseason would be foolish. I think you throw everything at the wall, see what sticks. And if one of those things at the wall says Carlos Correa in a one-year deal, I mean, it, so what you're getting, let's say you give him a bulk of that 50 mil that's left, right? Let's say they extend, well, even with the Otani deal, I know he's 30. So that now you have the 50, whatever mil to play with. Let's say you give him a bulk of that, you give him upper 20s or even 30. So what? I mean, can it really be worse than what we just went through? You need a big jolt to the offense. I think if you did that in turn, you could even flip Renhifo for some value back. I mean, his trade his trade value is at an all-time high right now. It's probably never going to get higher than this at this point. You just have to entertain every avenue, in my opinion. I don't think there's a wrong answer at this point when it comes to fielding, the, you know, fielding a roster. Whatever they've been doing since 2014 hasn't worked. I think you have to keep shuffling the deck. I, there's there's obviously wrong things to do for like dumpster diving, how they have been the last five years. I mean, that was obviously dumb at the moment. We all said it was dumb. The fans knew it was dumb. And yet, you know, you have guys like Billy Epler and, and Perry Manassan still doing it. Would it be stupid to take on a one-year contract with Carlos Correa with an option? I don't think so. Not at all. He's great. Awesome. And if they, you know, if you have to flip him, it, the trade deadline, you could do that too. If he has a lot of success and he likes it here and you pick up the option, that's great for the new owner too. He has he or she or they have the option to do that. It's all about creating these options, right? It's about playing around with what you can. I think doling out a long contract would be detrimental because then you're in you're you're inputting an Arden Moreno philosophy into the next chapter of the franchise, which has to be completely severed from what we've experienced the last decade. Um, so I think that would be a mistake. Um, and I know Korea didn't really have the kind of season he probably wanted. So investing long-term in him would probably be foolish. But for one year, maybe, maybe a second-year option with a high AAV, I, we're assuming the next owners coming in are going to have deep pockets to afford it, to afford that option if he deserves it or whatever. So to answer your question, I would entertain it for sure. I mean, I don't personally, I think they have a long way to go to fielding a competitive roster next season and throwing that kind of AAV may complicate things, especially since they probably need to revamp the bullpen. But at the same time, I, I really, it's hard to get, it, I have to be honest, it's really hard to get excited for next season in terms of a competitive standpoint with the ownership we have, with the lack of direction from the front office. We all thought they had the right mindset sort of last off season and this season <clears throat> having Carlos Correa would be interesting and I'm not opposed to it especially on the short-term deal that you proposed for me going into this offseason there's going to be three moves that the Angels need to make a starting pitcher somebody for the bullpen and in my opinion a left fielder or at least an outfielder to play left field because the production we got from the left field position especially from Joe Adele and even early on with Brandon Marsh being in the outfield it's like we take a step forward. That it's it's also why I can't get so excited for next season. We take such a big step forward with the pitching. We're like, all right, we know these guys replicated what they did last season and they got better. And then we see Marsh have flashes. I know he's had a little bit more success in Philly, but it's still been the eye popping. And then Adele, it's like, who knows what you're going to get each game with him? It's just there's no. We have no idea who Joe Adele is even after two years now. We don't. That magic word is consistency. <laughs> and it, he just doesn't, he has shown zilch with that. I'm not ready to give up on the guy, but I'm also not ready to bet the mortgage on him. You know, it's, it's, 
he and, is a dangerous pro- project at this point. And this year, he completely lost all trade value. So yes. the Angels are going to be stuck with him through the good and the bad. So the Angels right. have to know that going in. It's not like you can go trade him for another left fielder or a pitcher and life is going to be okay. Like I said, pitcher, bullpen, and a left fielder, I think would be three great moves for the Angels this offseason because the pitching staff, especially starters, look great. I think if you either want to bring back Michael Lorenzen on a very cheap deal, I think he pitched well enough to deserve like a two-year, $10 million contract, something very cheap for veteran presence. He ate up a lot of innings this year. He was only injured once, even though it was about a month and a half, but everybody was relatively healthy. The back end of the bullpen or the bullpen in general had moments of great clarity. Like I said, Jimmy Herget was pretty good this year. Wance wasn't bad this year. Again, had moments, but wasn't awful. Kiata had his stretches. Kiata had stretches. Loop was good through that first month and a half, then was bad for a month and a half, good for a month, bad for a couple weeks. It's kind of on and off switch. Ryan Tapera was, I think, better than Loop, but not as consistent as we would have hoped. Right. And, and then after that in the bullpen, Jaime Berea was a good lengthener. He wasn't too bad. I'd like him as a middle relief pitcher. He's cheap. So that kind of keeps the angels payroll lower. If the pitching stayed identical to this year and the angels just added bats, are they playoff bound at least in the wild card or are they more competitive? They're competitive. It's look at a lot of those, the, those losses during the, the 14 game losing streak. They just weren't hitting. We went through games without runs being scored. And the pitcher, the pitching was there. Like they'd be losing like two nothing and stuff. So it was just, it was very frustrating. The dynamic changes, you have a couple more wins. They they weren't moving guys over. They were getting like three hits a game pots. They almost got no hit a bunch of times this season. So yeah, if you added a Carlos Correa or or any kind of big bat, any more protection for Otani, who knows? It's helpful. They, they, they would not have had that 14 game losing streak. I guarantee you that they would have had more wins. And during that, they, they may not have been playoff bound. I can't say that it would have changed everything. The bullpen still had its issues. And they probably win at least 10 to 15 extra games this year. Maybe. Yeah. We would not have shut off by August had they had more bats in this lineup. 100% so, in agreement on that one. So, you know, we can't guarantee a playoff berth or anything, but they would have been competitive. It would not have been this bad. Because the offense let down the pitching this year. That's I'm standing by that. It's like we can talk about how much the bullpen blew, and it still wasn't as bad as, as years past. The, the starting rotation was really nice. It was really nice this season. I think people undervalue how how solid the rotation was. It, the offense just just really crapped the bed. The Angels aren't aren't completely like dead here. The, there's a foundation to to be successful, but I just don't know if I have the faith in the front office to not only uh, get those guys, but guys, you know, we were talking before about how playing in Anaheim used to be a lot of players dreams back, back in the glory days, like before 2009 and around that run, you had a lot of free agents. We were talking about Adrian Beltre wanting, wanting to play in Anaheim. This used to be a hotspot for players who were, who were free agents. They wanted to come here and they had to ask, our GMs for meetings to, to come play here. And you don't really see that now. That's what scares me about the current ownership and the current direction of the team. So if you can get back to where we were, where players want to be here and the big stars, it's, it's not 
it's not about giving the big contracts out. It's about giving the big contracts out to the right guys. Yes. And like I said, I think it all boils back down to the Angels are not an organization that's going to full-blown rebuild like the Oakland A's or the Detroit Tigers. The Angels will always have something going on where they're truthfully two or three moves away from being super competitive, especially after a down season. So the opportunities are there, but to put the offense in perspective, during that six-win month of July, the team as a whole batted 194. Again, that's that's not going to get it done. That's not going to get it done. Not even if the Angels had that 14-game losing streak never happened, July would have been a nail in their coffin as well. There was just, those were the two biggest moments that really slammed the door on any forward traction on this organization that essentially completely wiped away the terrific start in April and May. Now, the even bigger question that goes into the offseason, not just with ownership, not just with potential free agent signings and where the Angels will be when spring training kicks off in February in Tempe, the Angels definitely need to address coaching staff. They announced that Phil Nevin is going to be coming back on a one-year deal. So Phil Nevin will be the manager of the Angels. Everybody else on the staff, per general manager Perry Manassian, will be evaluated and will get back to you. Again, like many things about the Angels, is a very slippery slope. I feel directly... Matt Wise, pitching coach, probably keeps his job with the way the pitching staff performed this season, and there was positive movement since Wise took over in 2021. So that's great. It's the hitting coaches that I think we all need to have a discussion about with the amount of regression that we saw from individual players, just not even talking about the team as a whole and their 194 month of July and the constant strikeouts and the problems that were seriously lacking in the batter's box, like Velasquez taking a big step and the hips are just off, just this easy mechanical technique things. There were so many players that regressed this year that frustrated everybody. And we asked, why didn't Jeremy Reed, Paul Sorrento get fired before Joe Madden? That was the bigger question. So coaching staff is going to be a, a question mark this year. It's hard for me to put in a words that they need to get rid of the hitting staff, but I think they need to get rid of the hitting staff, <laughs> to say yeah, the least. Reed, you hit the nail on the head. Reed should have fired before Madden. I know people were calling for Matt Wise's job early in the season. I'm like, eh, the pitching was fine. It got better as the season progressed, especially in the rotation. But Reed really didn't do anything year-round. And then we see, like, Brandon Marsh immediately go to the Phillies, and they work with him on day one and he changes his stance day one and it worked out strikeout strikeout rate went down he wasn't like hitting the cover off the ball or anything but he was showing progress what is reed doing <laughs> we, we didn't see we didn't see any production being yielded at any point like anything changed nothing changed and it makes me wonder if you know all this to go for a full circle we hear about madden's issues with manassi and maybe on a personal level, that's why he got fired first. Maybe the tears at the press conference were a little bit for show. Maybe those two were butting heads a lot. And, and that's why Madden, you know, was, was kicked off the island before the others. <laughs> I'm actually surprised no one else lost their job. That, we could see that there needed to be a philosophical change. There needed to be mechanical changes. That's not to abdicate Joe Madden. I think uh, during that, that 14 losing stretch, we should have seen more sacrifice bunts. 
a lot more small ball. They they were kind of just going about as business as usual, and you can't really do that after like ten straight losses. Like you gotta you gotta get weird. And Madden, known for being kind of like that psychedelic guy, kind of didn't really shake things up. So that's not to defend him in all this. I think he at the end of the day he probably did deserve to get fired, but. The hitting coaches probably, not probably, they should have been let go first. And then we could have seen, then the complete onus on that point is, at that point is on Joe Madden to, to figure it out. Especially with all the news right now coming out of Joe Madden speaking on the issues that were going on internally just between him and Perry Manassian is becoming very eye-opening and just, I would say, just cringeworthy because you don't want to hear these things that are going on. And we don't know if these things are 100% true. It's a bad look for both sides. It's a bad look. No one's winning in this. Like, I think Madden may feel like he's having his voice heard, but he's coming off as bitter. But also Manassi's coming off as kind of like two-faced. So it's it's just a really lose-lose situation in any which way you look at it. And with Joe Madden this week saying, oh, Manassian was calling down to the dugout in the middle of a game to pull Mike Trout out and don't you effing call me in the dugout ever again and just – the relationship just turning into turmoil so quick and so fast. And it just went from zero to a hundred in a heartbeat. And all of a sudden, boom, 14 game losing streak. It just, everything crumbled in a heartbeat and there was no way to balance it back. It's going to be very interesting to see where the coaching staff goes. What, you know, we will never know what goes on behind closed doors with what we are evaluating the situation, what that term means behind closed doors. Something needs to be addressed, again, with the amount of regression we saw with a lot of individuals on this team in the batter's box this season is 100% unacceptable. The Angels were a top 10 offensive team, even in the losing seasons the last couple of years, and it completely turned on its head this year. And even with Mike Trout in the lineup before he got hurt with his back. So that can speak to the deeper numbers as well. So not only do you have the issues with this season, the free agency that's going to be coming upon the angels, the ownership changes, coaching changes before we kind of wrap things up, because we now have a very, very long off season to dive in to each one of these topics per episode. We could just talk about new hitting coaches that could come in for 45 minutes and we'd be satisfied. We could talk about free agent pitchers for 45 minutes and be satisfied. So going kind of just flipping through the table of contents on this one, is there one last thing, spicy take that you want to bring up before we kind of wrap it up and close out episode number eight of the Catella Chronicles podcast? Yeah, I think I'm going to catch you off guard with this one, actually. Okay, bring it to me. The 10-year personal service contract (laughs) is in effect today. What the hell happens with that? Because that divorce was messy. I'm sure the Cardinals would welcome him back with open arms to do something with their franchise for the next 10 years instead. But as of right now, Albert Pujols is once again an employee of the Los Angeles Angels. Okay, you win. I didn't think you were going to bring that up. I knew it was newsworthy, but I didn't think it was worthy, worthy. Oh, boy. Yeah, because that deal was uh, when he signed with the Angels for that 10-year deal back in the day. It included a 10-year, $10 million deal to be a helper in the organization, on the field, maybe not a part of the coaching staff, but kind of a consultant, kind of an ambassador for the team for 10 years. With the way things ended 
that we kind of know now, it's probably not a great relationship right now. And we don't know if that yeah. is Pujols versus Madden or Pujols versus Manassian or Pujols versus Moreno or a combination of those. You know, he still has a great relationship with players on the Angels. You saw it at the right. All-Star game. Otani, Trout, and Pujols literally for 15 minutes were just talking in the outfield, hanging out, laughing, punching each other in, in a fun manner and just having a good good old boys time. So it's not a personal thing with players. I think if Pujols and Trout were to get together in spring training, if Albert was a employee of the Angels, it would be good for them, you know, having that relationship back together. And it could improve Mike Trout going forward. Um, but how is that going to impact? It's going to be very interesting. Now, I don't know what the clause in that contract could be if the Angels do not uphold that part of the contract, if they waive it off, or if he says, I don't want to do it. Is there a buyout? That could be a whole because if I'm not mistaken, that's 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 another ten million dollars, wasn't it? A million a year? Correct. Ten years, ten million. That's a lot of money. That could buy you for a retired person. Yeah, Yeah, that's a lot of money. Essentially, if my deal holds up, that ten million could go to Michael Lorenzen. Two years, five million. That could half, and then you could have five million to go pay for a bench piece. That's two players for one guy who's an employee, not a player. So there is a numbers game to be had. It would be very interesting to see how that goes. I think, you know, nothing's really going to happen, I think, until you get closer to spring training, I think, because he's going to enjoy his time off now in in the winter, and then he might not even want to think about baseball for a while. So who knows how that debacle could happen? Um, I think it's a very intriguing topic in the long haul. Yeah, I just out get you win. I'm sorry, I didn't think you were bringing that up. That, that I knew, me I knew off I was catch you off guard. Yeah, that's I, knew a, I was gonna do it. But, you know, we had seen news about that earlier in the week. You know, especially when Manassian was talking about it, and some people were kind of bringing it up on social media. Again, like many things in this Angels organization right now, it's walking a tightrope, and every single topic almost is a teeter totter of it could go this way, it could go this way. And it could go really good or it could go really bad. Don't you just love the uncertainty of this fandom? (laughs) And we want consistency. And the theme of this organization right now is inconsistency and uncertainty. It's just, you know, sometimes what you want, you can't have. um, And that's kind of what the Angels are right now. So you throw in pool holes into the mix. You thought when the Angels got rid of him, he was done. But guess what? Like a a bad ex-girlfriend, they are back and ready to play once again in this angels organization but we'll see how long it lasts we'll see how long it lasts it's going to be a very we thought again you and i thought last season was going to be the off season the angels had to get it right and there was a lot writing on it well guess what vegas has turned the table odds and they have doubled down and now this off season i think is going to be the biggest off season that the angels had over the past decade I think even if Artie Moreno wasn't selling the team, this is still going to be an extremely huge offseason that the Angels need to hit right in the middle of the dartboard or it could spell trouble for decades to come. I, I, I hope I'm wrong about it, but I just have a really bad feeling about this upcoming offseason. I don't have optimism and the trust I did last, last offseason. Absolutely. And like I said, between – Coaching staff changes, free agency, Albert Pujols, ownership. Those are just four topics that 
are in a bigger piece of the pie that probably has 30, 40, 50 topics. And again, today, as we record this, it's only October the 8th. Spring training begins the middle of February. We have a long road to go, Angel fans. And David and I hope that you stick around with us as we discuss it throughout the offseason with whatever comes our way. It's MLB playoffs right now. Nothing's pretty much going to get done probably until after the World Series is over, barring a miracle. Um, it's going to be tumultuous. Buckle your seatbelts, as the Clippers broadcaster Ralph Lawler once said. It's time to buckle Bingo. those seatbelts, folks. Bingo. It's that time. And I know David appreciates, even as a Laker fan for myself, throwing in a Clippers See, reference. Now that's a franchise a that I'm looking <laughs> for right now. <laughs> There's, you know, we are. I shouldn't that. be because of the Clippers, but, <laughs> but damn it, I'm going to get my hopes up. Summer has given way to fall football and basketball and hockey are taking over the page right now. The Angels are, have been placed perfectly in bed they are tucked in good night it is over we will see you in tempe in spring and we're going to see what happens in our dreams or nightmares this off season with this angels organization but we want you fans to tune in to everything that catella chronicles has to offer you in regards to the angels this off season we're going to as always keep you as updated as possible with news notes commentary and any big things that happen with within this organization but for now that will be it for this episode of the Catello Chronicles podcast with your host, Dominic Lorenz, and co-host, David Goodkind. But we are not going anywhere because sports is 365 days a year. And we were smart when we created Catello Chronicles. We knew we couldn't just do Angels. We're doing Ducks hockey as well. So even though the book is closed on the Angels, the book is officially opening on the Ducks 2022-2023 season. If you haven't heard our last episode that featured... Ducks blogger and podcaster Felix Sicard from Crash the Pond. It is out now, so please check it out. Get updated on all things Anaheim Ducks because the home opener, October the 12th, against the Seattle Kraken. But for now, I'm Dom Lorenz. That's David Goodkind. David, thanks for hopping on. And uh, let's, again, buckle our seatbelts for a wild offseason and for a great Ducks regular season. Yeah, it's a pleasure as always. I'm looking forward to the Ducks and, and talking more Angels baseball. Absolutely. But until next time, Catella Chronicles fans, I'm Dominic. That's David. We are Catella Chronicles, the heartbeat of pro sports in Anaheim.